0: This is episode 523 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life, so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, 5 Off-The-Shelf Foods for the Frugal Prepper. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version, with some commentary, of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Hey everyone, as we get started, I want to ask you a question. You are listening to podcasts, but are you listening to Audible books? Now, from time to time, you'll find that there will be a lull in the podcast that you listen to. Now, Audible books can fill your Audible needs. And so, right now, Audible is offering two free audiobook downloads when you join Audible for a trial period. Now, even if you choose not to stay with Audible after the trial period, you still get to keep these audiobooks. And that's a great deal. If you want some more information, you can click the link in the show notes or you can go to the Prepper website forward slash Audible. All right, so jumping into our article of the podcast we're going to go over to backdoorsurvival.com and we're going to read this great article here 5 off the shelf foods for the frugal prepper cuz i don't know where you're at but i can always save money and definitely know that i need to have food storage so everyone needs to start off somewhere and you know really good food storage would have a little bit you know in a little bit of food storage in every kind of category uh, you might want to have some you know i've always talked about canned goods, uh, do-it-yourself long-term food storage. Maybe you have some uh, you know, dehydrated or freeze-dried uh, food that you have purchased, like from Legacy Foods or something like that. But, uh, you know, so it's always good to go back and to revisit this and know where to start. There are some basics that you should have, and you can put those into your food pantry. So I'm going to go ahead and start reading this. There's a couple here, Actually, when I was first thinking about this and uh, just reviewing this article, he does mention another food that I was going to talk about. And so he does not mention it here. There's actually another link to an article that talks about that food. But anyway, so you really, maybe you'll come up with, you know, six or seven off the shelf foods that you can, that you can uh, store for your food storage. So let's go ahead and jump into this one. Putting aside a good long-term supply of food can be economically daunting. Not everyone has the ability to drop thousands of dollars in one shot and get an instant supply. In other cases, logistics, dietary needs, or even where you live will dictate how you put together your food supply. But the biggest hindrance in assembling a prepper food cash usually boils down to money. However, because we are blessed to live in a wealthy capitalist nation that is also a food exporting nation, we have access to some incredibly cheap and healthy food. Selecting what food the frugal prepper should be buying for storage is something of a toss up. Your idea of frugal and my idea of frugal may be widely different. Now, each person's lived experiences dictate where they draw a financial line. And what they consider acceptable, frugal food to store. That's a hard one to say. (laughs) Let me read that sentence again. Each person's lived experiences dictate where they draw a financial line and what they consider acceptable, frugal food to store. All right, there you go. I got that out. Now, after all, there is no reason to invest in cheap, garbage food or food you won't enjoy eating. With that in mind, I've worked up a list of five off-the-shelf foods that save you money while filling your pantry. Now, I don't want to knock any of the fine freeze-dried food companies out there. My own pantry has an assortment of different freeze-dried goods, but sometimes you literally just can't afford a $20 can of food. So let's look at some ways you can stretch that dollar and expand your pantry. So the first one is dry beans. Now, even in retail quantities, beans are incredibly cheap. If you can buy them in bulk quantities, they get even cheaper. As a general rule, you can expect to buy a pound of dry beans at retail for about what you'd pay for a can of prepared beans, and you get a lot more servings out of that pound of dry beans. Now, beans are incredibly nutritious and offer an excellent source of protein. However, beans are an incomplete protein meaning they do not have at least one essential amino acid. It is very easy to make beans a complete protein by simply pairing them with whole grains like rice. And we all know how tasty beans and rice are. So storing dried beans like any other dry staple might present challenges for the prepper or homesteader. There are a lot of different ways of doing it, like 5-gallon buckets with desiccant packets, storing in airtight sealed jars, or other similar methods. In fact, stored properly, beans are considered to have an indefinite shelf life. A big part on how you choose to store your beans depends on the logistics of your home or survival retreat. If you don't have room for big buckets, you'll have to partition your supply out in other ways. For short-term storage of about a year or so, you could even leave your beans in their retail package, tucked away in a cool and dry place. For just pennies a serving and assuming you will have the means to properly cook them in an emergency, beans are a wonderful survival food and great everyday food for that matter. Inexpensive, tasty, and healthy. What more do you want from your emergency supplies? I'd consider storing a few complimentary spices to go with them, but that is something any prepper should be doing with their food supplies. All right, so let me stop and talk just very briefly about Uh, beans and there's going to be a video here Uh, there's a video actually in every every step of the way here the five different foods that he talks about and uh, you can you can check that out this one specifically is going to be uh, showing you how to store rice and beans with mylar bags and and uh, you know oxygen absorbers and things like that So what I want to share a little bit about beans is they are very cheap. You can store them very easily. Definitely you want to use the five-gallon buckets. Um, When I first started prepping, there was a couple of videos on YouTube when I was trying to make my own buckets, but I just never felt very comfortable. I mean, they kind of walked you through. Uh, how, to, how to do it and stuff like that. But I just never felt very comfortable in the, in the complete explanation. So since then, a lot of people have done videos. You can go on YouTube. You can find a lot of uh, great videos on how to do things. I did put together an article a while back called the Uber Uber you know article on food storage or something along those lines. I'm going to go ahead and link to it Uh, in the show notes. And so you can click on over there. And I just, what I did was I compiled a bunch of resources that you could go and do a little bit more research and, you know, for your food storage, right? So anyway, I'll link to that. But beans is one of those that I would highly recommend. So a couple of things that I wanted to say. Number one here is it would be very easy to cook beans and rice. I've done them in a, as a review in a solar oven. So if you have a solar oven, if that's one of the things that you want to uh, eventually invest in, if you live in an area where you can have, where you have a lot of sun and you can put out the solar oven, you can put out rice and beans. So you can put out a pot of rice, a pot of beans inside of the solar oven, aim it towards the sun and kind of let it go every once in a while going and checking on it and, and aligning it. And then it winds up cooking. So by the end of the day, you'll have you know, the rice and the beans will be cooked. So you can do that. And that's one of the ways that, you know, you, you don't have to, well, number one, you're not cooking something that's really letting off a bunch of smell. If you're worried about that, about people smelling what you're cooking. I mean, eventually when you open up the pots and things like that, you know, you know, there, there will, there's going to be a smell to it, but for the most part, cooking it and stuff, you know, you're not over a fire or whatever. If you're, you were in a true SHTF situation, that won't happen. So you have that. And I think a solar oven, if you live in a place where it does, where you do get sun, I think it's a good investment. So the other thing I want to say about that is there's a lot of people out there right now that are gluten or that they can't eat gluten, right? And so I think a lot of that is the food that we eat, and so our bodies have just are kind of rejecting all of that. But you know that's another another podcast episode down the road, right? And someone someone should write an article on that maybe. But anyway, I know of people that have contacted me and said, "Hey, you know, one of my family members is gluten free. I can't store all. You know, what do I do for like bread and different things like that?" Well, with beans, you can use a grinder and you can make flour out of beans right i like out of pinto beans so that is something that you can do so if you store a lot of you know it's it's not going to be you know your most favorite type of bread or whatever but you can do you can do it So you have, um, you know, you have your beans, you're you're storing up your beans, and then you have a grinder and you might have an electric grinder, but you might have just an old fashioned one that you turn and, you know, you'll be turning a lot and you'll be getting a workout, but you can get flour out of that if you are in a situation where a family member, you know, is uh, gluten intolerant, right? And so you have that option. I like what he said here about spices. I would really do a lot of spices. You know, one of the things that we like to cook here, and my wife has gotten really good at making, uh, you know, chato beans. So you go to the Mexican restaurant, they give you bean soup or whatever, is doing that. And so, you know, there are some spices that she uses for that. Uh, I I guess you could use a lot of the stuff from your garden uh, to flavor that but I love that. I mean, I could live off of that. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I don't know if everybody else would want to be around me if I was living off of that, but I could live off of that. So you, you know, you use that with some, some rice or whatever, or you're making, you know, beans and rice. Uh, there's a lot that you can do with that. So that's going to be the next thing, right? Um, we're going to jump into rice. So, but again, I, I didn't finish my thought here you want to have spices and of course anything that you have in the garden can be used to help flavor any any beans that you have. So there's a lot of ways that you can cook beans. A lot of the times we just think we're going to, you know, soak them in water and we're going to do that and that's going to be it. There's a lot of things that you can do with that. All right, so like I said the next one is going to be rice. So let's go ahead and jump into that one. So right on the heels of dry beans is the companion grain rice. Now, we should all know that rice is both affordable and highly nutritious. It can be had in bulk quantities by shopping at restaurant supply stores and is a great way to stretch out many different sorts of meals. While there are all sorts of different types of rice, they mostly vary either in flavor or cooking properties and nutrition. Brown rice is going to have more nutritional value than white rice, but a very short shelf life of about 6-12 to months. White rice has a longer shelf life, about five years, but lacks the nutrition of brown rice. Now, choosing what kind of rice you are going to include in your prepper stores is important. If you eat a lot of it, brown rice can simply be rotated through, and you'll have to accept a relatively short shelf life for this important staple. If you favor white rice, You've got a lot more choices in storage options, but you should still rotate at least some of it so that you aren't stuck with a rapidly aging out supply of white rice. In both cases, rice can serve as the foundation for a meal. Add your favorite meat, seafood, veggie, beans, and or spices or sauces to make a nice filling meal, or use it to stretch out soups and stews. The addition of rice to soup and stews adds valuable carbohydrates and serves as an inexpensive filler. Added to beans, it forms a complete protein that turns a cheap meal into a nourishing and long-term sustaining meal. Now, Store rice the same way you would beans or other dry foods in an airtight or vacuum sealed container and in a cool dry place. This ensures maximum shelf life and keeps bugs and dirt out of your food. Label the date you purchased the rice and rotate it out before the end of its shelf life. Discard any rancid or strange smelling rice. Properly kept and rotated, you'll find rice of any sort is an affordable way for the frugal prepper to stretch and bulk out their supplies without sacrificing health or taste. So one of the things that you might want to store is that white rice. Again, brown rice, like he said here in the article, is more nutritious, but Uh, you know it does have that it has more oils that cause it to go rancid if you try to keep it so there is another article here the ultimate survival food rice in mylar and it says 30 plus years shelf life i know that in the article he was saying you know two years or something like that Uh, but yeah it, it will last a lot longer if you put it in mylar bags and with oxygen absorbers and there's a lot you can do with rice one of the things that he talked about was using it as a filler or, you know, adding to it. One of the things that I always suggest is using, you know, a can of soup and, you know, something like a, some kind of beef, uh, like a chunky soup. I know that if you are a long-term listener, at one point, I had a, a series of emails when you joined the, the email list that I would send out. And that was one of my recommendations is having a meal where you have rice, white rice, and then you heat up a can or two, depending on how big your family is, of uh, you know Campbell's chunky soup or something along those lines, and you mix it all together. And then that would really stretch it, right? And that was very filling. And so you do that and then maybe you have some cornbread, or you, know, you make some bread or whatever, and that would be a good meal to kind of stick to your bones there, and it would be very frugal if you were making, you, know, you had to make a lot of it. So that was a suggestion, but there's just so many things that you can do with it. Again, you know, having spices and bringing things from your garden into the whole mix would add a whole lot to it. All right, so the third food is going to be pasta. Now, another inexpensive shelf-stable food that has long-term storage properties is pasta is ideal for the frugal prepper who wants an easy-to-prepare, tasty, and familiar survival food. Properly stored, dry pasta can last up to two years past the expiration date on the product. So again, guys, there's another video here uh, for food storage uh, in dry pasta. Again, you'll want to store your dry pasta in an airtight or vacuum sealed container and put it in a cool and dry place. Are you seeing a common theme here? Dry goods should be kept dry, away from air, sunlight, and warm temperature. The colder you can keep them, the longer they will last. Pasta containing eggs or made with whole grains will have a shorter shelf life than pasta made without those ingredients. How much pasta you store depends entirely on how much of the stuff you eat. And again, You'll want to rotate through your supplies, so if you eat a pound of pasta a month, put aside 12 pounds of pasta and keep buying your usual monthly supply, constantly eating the oldest pasta in your pantry and replacing it with fresh. The main benefit of pasta, beyond providing a familiar and tasty carbohydrate base, is the fact that you can readily integrate it with all sorts of other prepper foods. Freeze-dried meats and veggies go great with pasta, as do garden-grown vegetables and harvested wild game. There's no limit to what you can do with pasta, and wouldn't you like to go through an emergency situation with tasty, familiar, and healthy food instead of some tactical mystery food? (laughs) Of course you do, right? All right, so pasta is your uh, number three, number three food that's shelf-stable that you can store for long periods of time. And so you think of all the different kind of pastas out there. You know we love to eat spaghetti, and you can easily store spaghetti sauce for long periods of time. Uh, If you are again, if you have your garden, you can easily make spaghetti sauce if you're growing tomatoes, and you can can that. You know for long periods of time. So that's one of those things that you can that you can use there. I mean I don't know other. Pasta dishes. I know they were they were talking about wild game and stuff. That's not something that I would do. That's not something that you know. That's not a meal that that I would make. But I could live off of spaghetti uh, for a long time, for a long long time. But anyway, that's one of those things that you can do. So think about the meals that you can make. And here's the thing: if you're if you're not familiar with cooking this way, right? So many people are have been become so accustomed to getting you know fast food or getting food that's already processed where you're all you're just kind of heating it up and you're not really cooking from scratch it's really something that you should be doing and experimenting with and maybe you go and you get on pinterest and you or you get on uh you know the internet you start searching for interesting articles with pasta and maybe easy articles or easy recipes uh using pasta or whatever and you might find that there, there's some pretty good recipes out there, with maybe three or four ingredients, and you can cook cook up a really great meal. And if those three or four ingredients can be dried, or they can be spices, or there can be something that you get out of the the garden, or they can be you know just canned, then you'll be in good shape, and you can make those meals for you know a survival situation. So. Uh, again, like always, I know this has been kind of a theme. If you've been listening to the last couple of episodes, it's a theme where you're doing a little bit of preparation. I mean, you've got to do some work in preparedness. Going to the store, buying a bunch of gear, throwing it in your closet, and waiting for doomsday is not the way to go. So let's jump to number four. Number four of the shelf stable foods is spam. No, I'm not talking about the email that fills your inbox offering prescription drugs and inheritances from Nigerian princes. I'm talking about the canned pork product that has been feeding people since before World War II and was, in fact, an important military supply during World War II for the U.S. and its allies. So SPAM or SPAM, and as the good folks at Hormel would prefer you spell it, and that's capital letters there, S P A M isn't the cheapest meat out there and it's pretty heavily laden with salt and fat but it has fueled people in the bitter russian winters fighting nazis and serves as a popular food in the present day there are cheaper meat alternatives and at about two dollars and fifty cents or so a can when you carefully shop the price does add up but i think it's worthwhile so already cooked and capable of being served hot or cold spam brings a lot to the prepper table Slice it and fry it for sandwiches. Dice it and fry it to mix with beans and rice. Serve as a slice alongside fresh veggies or use anywhere else you'd use meat. I personally like the stuff and if you do, a couple of dozen cans in your prepper larder won't hurt a thing. Plus, they are a great thing to grab when you're in a hurry or to just toss in your bug out bag. All right, so I agree with the spam. Spam is something you should have some of even if you can't you know, fandom eating it or making sandwiches out of it. And I wouldn't use it that way. I would again, going back to the beans and the rice, if I was making like, uh, you know, beans and rice, <laughs> beans and rice, I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, I would be cutting up the spam and because it is saltier than most, right. Of course, that's one of the preservatives in there. When you add it to the beans, it would help to flavor the beans up, and so you can imagine doing that. I've also used it, you know, cut it up and put it inside of eggs and or you know mixed it in with eggs and different things like that. I, I would not just fry it up and eat it that way or make a sandwich out of it. Uh, that's not that's not the way that I would want to do it. But I would put it in you know, like stews or you know beans. I would, or you mix it with rice or vegetables or whatever, you know? And so that is one of those things that, that you can do. You know, I've never been to Hawaii, but people tell me that at Hawaii, in Hawaii, this is one of the big deals. I mean, you can even find like, you know, where, where you find, you go up and, and you do a food cart or whatever, you can find those all over the place and they make it in so many different ways. No, but for me, it's not one of those things that I, I want to eat on a regular basis. Uh, not too long ago, I did open up a can. And uh, like I said, I did try it with some different things. And so I can tolerate it that way. It is, again, when I when I was experimenting with it, I realized I didn't have to add as much salt or spice to the things that I was cooking with because it was a little saltier. Uh, somebody said in the comments that they make it now with so many different flavors that you know that might be more appealing to people if you haven't tasted it in a while and you just remember the old spam and and just the one way that they that they always had it so i don't know if you haven't looked at spam in a while you might want to go and take a look at it maybe buy a small can and do some experimenting with it and see if it's something that you could add Um, i think the more possibilities you have in an SHTS scenario, I think the better you'll be. So spam is one of those things. Any kind of canned meat really that uh, will last long would be good. All right. So number five is going to be drink mix powders. So this really isn't a food, but it will add a lot of value to your food storage. And there are not too long ago, we did read an article about, um, the drink mixes having vitamins and electrolytes and a benefit to to having those right antioxidants and things like that so let's go ahead and read this portion right here okay this one might seem way off base but this time it's okay to drink the kool-aid or gatorade or lemonade or tang or what have you after writing about beans rice pasta and spam and you should check out the peanut butter article i did too I'll, guys i'll come back to that one I decided the frugal prepper pantry should have a little fun. I've often said and will continue to say prepping is miserable if you don't have foods you like to eat, are familiar with, and enjoy. This is even more important if you are prepping with kids. An emergency is the worst possible time to change up anybody's diet and it is also nice to have a little fun. So, Flavored drink mixes of all sorts offer everything from simple flavors to added vitamins, minerals, and electrolytes. Equally important, they can cover up the flavor of chemically treated or purified water. Sometimes the water is healthy but gross tasting. A couple of spoonfuls of drink powder goes a long way to making it more palatable. On a hot day or when you've been exerting yourself, having an electrolyte drink mix can be an important part of maintaining your health and personal comfort. Or if you choose to, You might have instant coffee or tea, hot cocoa, or various other drink flavorings. The sky and grocery store is the limit. But as with anything, choose your drink mix carefully. What will you actually drink? What has a good shelf life? Are you buying for pleasure or to get electrolytes or just because you drink the stuff every day already? As a general rule, vitamin drink mixes will have a shorter shelf life than drinks that are little more than sugar, color, and flavoring. Either way, you should expect several years of storage in the now familiar cool, dry, and airtight conditions. So mix and match what you like, and remember, when the world is miserable, the power is out, civil unrest is weighing heavily on your heart, that sometimes a nice cup of your favorite drink is all it takes to make the world around you a nicer place for a few minutes. We talked about this not too long ago, and I think it makes a lot of sense they make those little packets that you can take with you, and uh, you, you can buy them if you go to you know certain. If you get the store brand as opposed to the more expensive brand, uh, you can get them fairly cheap. Sometimes you can get them on sale, and they do make a lot of sense. You know, when you're wanting something other than just water, imagine drinking nothing but water for two weeks, and then being able to have a packet of just say pink lemonade or tea or, you know, whatever it might be, grape flavor, you know, Kool-Aid or whatever, and being able to drink that and just think, you know, what it would, it would do. It would be, it would be one of those things that, but give you a little bit of a flashback to what things could be and maybe brighten things up for you just a little bit, right? Of course, in a true SHTF scenario, things are going to be very hectic and, uh, you know, crazy, So anything that can bring you back to maybe some kind of normalcy would be very powerful. So let me go ahead and conclude here. There are a lot of shelf-stable foods that can be stored for one or more years that would suit the needs of the frugal prepper. These five are some of the most common, most affordable, and most versatile food products that can be had in the stores. Now, how you incorporate or choose not to incorporate these items into your prepping is entirely up to you. Every person has their own unique tastes and approaches to cooking, and those are shaped by culture, religion, health, personal beliefs, and more. There is no one-size-fits-all approach to prepping or building up your emergency supplies, and you shouldn't rely on any one type of food supply. My own preps are a mix of bulk, freeze-dried foods, off-the-shelf consumer goods, and the odd bit of dry bulk goods. I have learned that diversifying my supplies allows me to quickly vary how I respond to different kinds of emergencies. By adding various long life, off the shelf foods to your pantry, you'll give yourself greater flexibility, choice, and save a good bit of money. Sure, the cooking time might be longer in some cases, but it is pretty rare that you won't have the time to at least boil water for a pot of beans and rice. However, you do it, the important thing is that you are prepping and planning for an emergency that will hopefully never come. All right. So let me go back up to the peanut butter thing. I think peanut butter, unless, and I know that there are people that are very highly allergic to peanut butter. I'm sorry. I love peanut butter. And uh, we have a lot of it in our food storage because we just go through a lot of it. And so peanut butter is one of those that, you know, can really stick to your bones. And if you can make bread, you, you have that going on, you can easily make some toast or make a sandwich just with peanut butter um, and, and use it that way. And so peanut butter is relatively inexpensive, especially if you buy it at one of the big stores like Sam's or Costco. Uh, you find it on sale. That might be something to, to look into. So uh, if you don't have peanut butter and you're not allergic or someone in your family is not highly allergic to it, you might want to go ahead and store a little bit of that and uh, you know see what you can do with it. The other thing I might say here is when you're talking about shelf stable using and we really didn't talk too much about cans other than the the chunky soup that you can add to rice, but you can make a lot of foods out there. And I think I always try to think like stews and soup, they would go a long way but you know you can do a couple of different cans of whatever different vegetables and maybe some meat or whatever and use that to make a stew a pretty hearty stew you can you can buy like canned potatoes green beans uh, beans uh you know carrots and different things like that you can buy those the peas whatever you want right and throw that into a soup Maybe you add a little bit of spam. You have spam. Maybe you have a ground freeze-dried ground beef that you can throw into it and make a beef stew uh, in that way. Maybe it's just vegetables, right? Whatever, whatever you, whatever you can think of. But all those things are shelf-stable if you have those in cans. And if you've been listening to me for a while, you know that you know cans uh, are cans that you buy at the grocery store, not just canned food that you can at home on your own. Uh, will last a very very long time and so if you have recipes that way i mean i highly recommend people starting out that way is that you go ahead and start that you know going from there now if you would like a little bit more information on food storage uh, i know that we haven't talked about it here recently but i do have a free video lesson uh, complete with worksheets that you can download and all that kind of stuff so it is always linked in the show notes. And so you can go click on it. I can't always tell you that it'll be free and it will always be up and just, you know, you register for it. You get an email and you go and you, you can go watch the lesson but right now it is, and it's there, and so you can go take advantage of that if you've never done that, if you haven't gone through that video lesson. Again, I think the worksheets, just having those worksheets are pretty valuable. Um, You can use them in a lot of different ways, and I explain that in the video, so that's going to be linked as well. Well, guys, like always, I'm going to link to this article in the show notes, and you can come check it out. Highly recommend you check out the videos here because the videos will give you a little bit more understanding. If you're not sure about using like Mylar bags and long-term food storage, I think they'll be very helpful for you. And I'm also going to link to that article, that Uber food storage article that I wrote a while back. I mean, it's pretty popular and people hit it all the time. So I'm going to link to that one as well. If you want a little bit more information. Well, guys, before I close out here, I hope you will join me tomorrow. The next two podcasts are going to be very special. I'm very excited about what I get to share with you tomorrow. So I hope that you will join me there as well. And that's it for episode 523. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.